Conversations with Orbita, a podcast dedicated to helping healthcare and life science organizations reimagine the patient journey with conversational AI. This is where automation meets empathy. Welcome back, everybody, to Conversations with Orbita. This is Nate Trelore, your host, uh, COO and co-founder of Orbita. Very happy to have everyone back. This is episode 10, and I'm very excited today to welcome Julie Johnston. Welcome, Julie. Hello. Pleasure hey. to be here. Yeah, great to have you. I'll let you introduce yourself in a second, but uh, you know, full disclosure for the audience, Julie is uh, an Orbitalian. She uh, works uh, on our business development side, focused on partners, but I'll let Julie introduce herself in just a second. Uh, before we kick it off, I want to let folks know that we've got a webinar coming up on September 16th uh, with a focus on uh, using digital virtual assistants for patient acquisition and retention. And we're very excited to have uh, one of our partners from Cancer Treatment Center of America, Harris Hunt, joining us on that uh, session. So September 16th, please check it out on our website. Uh, you can uh, access it going to resources, webinars, sign up, and we'll look forward to seeing you all there. All right, back to the podcast. Uh, the topic today is a bit on the future of patient engagement and retention, but we're going to look at it through the lens of uh, our recent experience at the HIMSS conference out in Las Vegas uh, with some learnings that we got from attending that conference. In particular, some learnings that Julie brought back, who was one of our representatives. Uh, so we look forward to having that conversation. For those of you who are not able to attend HIMSS, uh, either the digital or the uh, in-person uh, experience, uh, we'll, you'll hear a little bit about uh, how we viewed the event and what some of the top points and, and lessons learned were from the event and also the state of the industry through the lens of that event. Uh, but without further ado, let me turn to Julie and Julie, why don't you introduce yourself to the podcast audience, please? Absolutely. So thank you, everyone, for your time and interest and in hearing about our experience at HEMS. My name is Julie Johnston. I've been with Orbita a little less than a year. I'm really excited to have joined the team and have taken on a role that helps manage partnerships and other types of alliances with third parties that also want to put forward the best of class uh, in terms of patient and physician experiences using a digital model um, and virtual tools. So with that, um, you know, what I'll say is that I've had about 15 years of experience in selling solutions into various healthcare and life science companies, a variety of different digital solutions and SaaS-based software and have had experience going to a number of conferences over the years. Um, obviously with the pandemic, there was a pause on that. And really I saw a huge shift. Um, this was my first time attending HIMSS. I'd always heard that it was just massive and very, very crowded, uh, that there was a huge number of opportunities that would come up these meetings. It's an important one for Orbita. We historically have done very well at this event in terms of meeting new people, making new partnerships, and finding new ways that we can leverage conversational AI, both in healthcare and life sciences. Um, but this year, you know, at the last minute, when they looked at attendance and some of the surrounding issues with the pandemic and, and spikes uh, in Las Vegas, 
they decided to shift um, the format and make it a hybrid one, um, whereby they still had the live in-person uh, conference, but they also uh, really beefed up what was offered in terms of a digital platform and remote access to the conference. So it was interesting for me to see um, how Orbita had to shift. We had to think about things a little bit differently in terms of the number of people that we were sending on site, who was who was going, and then also how we could really amplify our voice and amplify our presence um, during the virtual event. Um, so something I think as an insight that we took forward is, you know, we don't know exactly how things are going to play out but virtual attendance of these types of forums has really taken off over the past year and a half, two years. And so I think we'll always have a lens of how is this going to create presence and engagement with our valued prospective partners or clients um, if we're virtual and, and how do we plan accordingly uh, for both an in-person presence as well as a virtual presence. Right. And what's interesting about this is what we really want to pull out of this conversation, Julie, is the parallels that we can draw from this particular marketing event, this uh, this uh, conference and knowledge uh, leadership, thought leadership conference, and its hybrid model with what we're trying to do to support um, patient and, and healthcare provider uh, engagement in services through virtualized experiences. And as you pointed out, um, it, the, the HIMSS conference, and I honestly feel, I really do feel for the HIMSS organizers because this is the second year where uh, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, HIMSS in 2020 had to be canceled at the last minute. And then uh, it was another year and a half before another HIMSS conference was able to be set up for uh, really in person. And uh, of course, right about the time when uh, this HIMSS conference in early August was being set up, we were running through and continue to run through this uh, Delta variant um, outbreak. And so it's just a, been an awkward time and I, I really uh, sympathize with the HIMSS organizers. But um, maybe we can talk about the event itself. Uh, we'll come back to this uh, parallel uh, it, virtual and in, an in-person type of uh, uh, analogy in a second. but. Um, this was our first real in-person event, Julie, right? And uh, yes. you, uh, you were a pioneer <laughs> <laughs> going back to our, our first uh, in-person event in quite a, a long time. And I know that HIMSS was a new conference for you. Uh, anybody who's familiar with it knows that in past years, it's drawn you know, anywhere from 40 to 50,000 and more attendees with hundreds of exhibitors and an exhibit floor that um, at least the one in Orlando, I believe is close to one mile long, a uh, little different layout in Las Vegas. But you know, what was your impressions of the conference itself, the in-person conference? What did you notice? Absolutely. So the first thing you noticed are masks. And it's funny because introducing yourself to someone you've never met, maybe they're stopping by their booth or we had several speaking sessions. And so, um, you know, it was interesting to see and meet people for the first time um, with only having the view of their eyes and, and seeing, you know, their different facial expressions from the nose up, if you will. Um, the other thing was to shake hands or not to shake hands. So there was still a lot of awkwardness around how do people feel about even shaking hands, um, which is something so common. So you saw people um, 
bump their hands sometimes, <laughs> bump mm-hmm. fists. Um, other people would would shy away um, if if they saw somebody trying to shake their hand and then other people still just wanted to shake hands. So it was just an interesting dynamic in person. Um, but from that, what I saw really is that we had a lot of traffic at our booth and I'm really grateful for that. Um, a lot of very, I guess my colleague called it distilled conversations. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, my understanding is that in previous years, there's a lot of booth traffic and a lot of people there just kicking the tires and, and maybe a 30 second, 60 second type of introduction. Then they, they move on to the next booth. This uh, seemed very purposeful. So the people that came to our booth had known we were going to be there, were very familiar with what we offered, and came with very specific questions, as well as very specific use cases. Mm -hmm. So what we got was a deeper engagement in person, where it was very much worthwhile in terms of the discovery. What could we do to help one another? The other thing that happens at conferences and when you're in person is the random conversation. So my colleague Julia and I were um, getting a photo taken outside the HIMSS banner. Uh, we wanted to send it to everyone at Orbita because we we knew everybody at our company was excited about HIMSS. And the gentleman we asked to take our picture ended up being somebody random. However, in talking to him about what he does and in talking about what Orbita does, we found that there was a common ground. And so now in following up to the conference, um, you know, he's very engaged right now in a conversation with with our CEO. So those random types of meetings become very, um, it's almost like serendipity. They were meant to come. And so it was great to have some of those experiences as well as the planned. Yeah, interesting. So a couple obvious takeaways. The, the, The phrase that I've heard used is that as an event, um, it was a bit more quality over quantity, right? That, yes. um, the, as you put it, the conversations that were there were much more distilled. People who attended in person uh, really wanted to be there. They wanted the benefits of in-person conversations and were willing to take whatever risks they may have perceived to, to make the trip. Um, I heard that attendance was a little less than half, maybe uh, you know, a, a third of what it typically is, but um, the feedback that, that and the takeaways that I'm hearing from you is that it was um, fewer conversations, but better quality. The intensity and tension was higher. Absolutely. Yes. And my understanding from the digital or virtual event, just as many others that we've all participated in in the past year and a half or so, is, um, you know, you may be able to plan it. It may be more convenient. Um, easier to access and you can align your schedule around some several key events. Um, but it's much harder to have that peer-to-peer interaction and deeper type of, of conversation. So really it's important that we follow up um, and really try to reach out to those that did attend the event uh, as a virtual event and you know make ourselves available for those lar- longer and deeper discussions, discovery. Mm-hmm. Well, the second point you made there, uh, this idea of serendipity, um, that's a tougher nut to crack in a virtual digital world, right? Um, The idea is that you have, you know, those water cooler moments or those, can you take my (laughs) camera and take a picture of us type of moments that would happen at a conference like HIMSS. 
And um, I want to come back to that because when we were talking earlier about the parallels of digital experiences uh, for serving the needs of uh, you know in healthcare, it is a it is a challenge, right? And um, you know you can develop the the best application for digital health, but the absence of you know the human touch, the absence of empathy, uh, creates some obstacles of engagement. Right, and, and we find it in digital conferences that we attend as a you know solution provider in the industry, and patients find it when they're dealing, uh, trying to deal with a healthcare organization of any kind uh, around a, a care plan that's been digitized or otherwise. So, um, I think it's an attempt to draw these analogies, but they are real human uh, challenges that exist in the digital world in this consumerized digital world that we're in. Um, maybe to yeah. So many of my discussions, there were kind of three buckets, if you will, topic areas I found to be most present and top of mind um, as we spoke with people throughout the day at our booths. And then even those that came to our speaking sessions, uh, one was telehealth. So telehealth as a virtual tool. And there's some really interesting data out there about telehealth post pandemic or, or at this time. And one is that, you know, Physicians were a little leery of it prior to the pandemic, but now they've all pretty much adopted it as part of their practice. And they anticipate that they'll continue using it. Um, but in that type of you know, volume where it's becoming ubiquitous, how do you stand out? So a lot of questions around what they could do to elevate the patient experience and still offer that empathy and that warmth, um, the true concern and care. Uh, I drew an example during the speaking sessions of, you know, I just relocated to Phoenix, um, not even two years ago, right before the pandemic. Fortunately, got a great PCP. I went in, it was before the pandemic, had a five-star experience, all of my labs, everything done. He knew everything about my health and I needed a referral. I needed a referral to a dermatologist. You go and see one each year. Well, then the pandemic hit. My appointment moved to a telehealth visit. And I've got to tell you, it was very poor. Um, and the dermatologist didn't spend much time with me. And I just really left feeling like there wasn't a lot of empathy or, or warmth expressed. Mm -hmm. And so scheduling it was difficult. The experience was difficult. And I was leery of doing it again, but had to, this time with a different specialist. And it was a much better experience. It was very straightforward in terms of how to start and initiate the telehealth session. It was very much um, warmer in, in the sense that I could answer a pre-screening questionnaire. Um, we got in there, there was more information that the physician had that was able to guide our discussion and make it much better, better quality. Um, I felt like I was better attended to in terms of making sure my health questions were answered. Um, and then at the end, you know, I was able to comment on that. Uh, that provider wanted to know how was your experience and how can I improve? So I answered a brief satisfaction survey. Um, those are the types of things that can really elevate the experience and make it better for patients. And so that was one of the big topics that we heard about at HEMS when we were talking to various telehealth providers. Yeah, so I mean, telehealth Clearly, clearly a major topic uh, um, since the uh, before the pandemic, but um, clearly the pandemic has put all eyes on it. I think I saw a statistic not long ago um, where um, 
you know, there was, a, it might've been Cleveland Clinic, but there was a healthcare system where the telehealth visits prior to the pandemic uh, were about 2% of the total healthcare visits. And then in the peak of the pandemic, in excess of 70% of all the healthcare visits. And, uh, you know, a variety of studies that have happened since the peak of the pandemic, I would say the first wave last year, have shown that um, while maybe we're not at the 70, 80% of total healthcare uh, visits are now telemedicine, it's come down to maybe half of that, a third of them, a little bit less, are, and we don't see it coming down. In other words, that the, the, the bar, if you will, has been reset in terms of people's willingness to um, see their healthcare provider through a virtual uh, digital experience. So I think you know the the interest in that is is at an all time high for sure, um, but to your point, the conversations we're starting to have is how do you how do you differentiate and and optimize those telemedicine visits? It's, and I'll draw that parallel again to these virtual conferences. How, uh, one of the big propositions of a virtual of a, any kind of uh, industry conference is those networking opportunities, right? Like the example you described. Uh, how do you accomplish that in a digital world? How do you accomplish engaging a patient um, in those moments before the connection has been made with the, the clinician? So, um, you know, where I, you can tell me the nature of some of those conversations that you had, Julie, with people looking to us, for example, and, and looking at digital virtual assistants, um, you know, what, what did they pick out as a problem that they're trying to solve on the telehealth side besides just differentiation? You know, I think a lot of it is making it seamless. Um, it feels very disjointed and fragmented is what I heard from many of them. So you may have different places that the patient has to start in terms of scheduling, um, and that can be a fragmented process. There can be some confusion about uh, what information they need to provide uh, to make sure that the health visit, the telehealth visit is covered. Uh, and that they're following the right process for that coverage or benefit. Um, and then last but not least, really, um, you know, if there's stuff that they can communicate, but do it in a very easy and simple format in advance. So that way the visit is much more engaging and, uh, you know, really addressing the health issue or question, then that's really very, very powerful. Uh, and, you know, having those types of reported outcomes or those types of insights into a patient's health in advance can really help the, the prescriber, I'll, I'll say the HCP, um, address those uh, spot on in terms of the actual telehealth visit. And then it feels personalized. Um, and so it's that personalization that becomes very, very important, even when you're in a virtual setting, um, or especially when you're in a virtual setting, you don't want to feel like you um, are just a number and, and you're part of a factory process where you're just going through. Um, you need to feel like your personal health needs are being met and that you fully understand uh, what the physician is, is advising you to do for your health. Yeah, and so in the context of uh, digital virtual assistants, this idea of um, a, an assistant uh, prepping the patient before the connection is made, the actual connection with the telehealth provider to collect some information in an empathetic conversational way, but automated way, right? So that the, the patient doesn't feel like um, they're just 
waiting for a connection to be made, that disjointed feeling, uh, dropping, you know, and being tempted to drop out of the uh, experience because you know, maybe the connection makes, make, takes a couple minutes. So the role of a virtual assistant to keep that patient engaged, collect information that's gonna make a much more personalized experience, and then also inform the healthcare provider once connection is made. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it was interesting, most of the big and the harder questions uh, from those that came to visit us at the booth came from the leaders of the IT, the CIO, um, mm -hmm. the CTOs that would come to our booth and we would show them, you know, various examples of our solution and, and the demo loop and whatnot. And they just were very, very impressed that we were able to take something that had been so robotic and most of them, their experience had been working with tools that aren't necessarily created for healthcare um, or for patients, mm -hmm. but you know, the ability now to use all these advances in technology to create that human-like um, experience with a virtual assistant was very impressive to them. Yeah, and I always like to plug our tagline, automation with empathy. <laughs> uh, and, and that's a great example. Um, I'm glad to hear that it resonated with the attendees at the conference because it's one thing to automate a workflow like um, automating onboarding of telemedicine patients. It's not the, another way to do it in a way that's personalized and sensitive and as best as any kind of automated virtual assistant can be, empathetic to their situation and responsive to the sentiment of what they may actually be um, entering into their, uh, you know, enroll, uh, you know, their, uh, the form for uh, uh, completing the telemedicine visit. So. Um, yeah, I, I think that as a concept is um, is one that we certainly have doubled down on and, and it's important to our clients. There's a variation on, of course, this remote patient health, which is remote patient care or remote patient monitoring. I know you had a few yes. conversations in that category as well. Yes, that was so interesting. So specifically, um, some questions would come up about wearables and patient reported outcomes. And just some of the gaps that still exist in terms of getting that information, getting it in a timely um, manner, getting it accurately. So the opportunity uh, for this use case is how could remote patient monitoring offer up virtual assistants that help in terms of collecting the data from the patients, making sure that it's entered accurately, making sure that it's reported on time, and then getting that information over to their provider. Yeah. Um, in that case, uh, a bit more hands off, much more virtual and digital. And, um, you know, the feedback that we've received over the years that we've been doing these empathetic digital virtual assistants at Orbita is that a lot of these RPM uh, applications and solutions really do struggle with patient engagement. Um, and that may be uh, an artifact of the, 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 how that actual digital experience manifests. Um, maybe an accessibility issue, maybe a technophobia on the part of the patients who are, um, you know, participating in the program. Uh, but one of the things that has been thematic in the partners and, and clients that we've been working with is they're looking for a way to drive better engagement around these digital experiences and the, the, the digital virtual assistance uh, concept is one of the ones that, uh, you know, it clearly has an impact. Uh, level of engagements that we've seen, and this has been shared on previous podcasts, 
uh, where in the past these outreach programs, RPM programs have had engagement rates on an order of about 20%. Uh, at least in one instance, we saw that engagement go to 70% and above, um, just by virtue of the multi-channel approach that we take. And also, you know, being able to reach the patients where they are and the devices that they use every day, but also in um, being able to flex in how we do that outreach. Sometimes we can reach out to them through email, uh, SMS, a telephone call, whatever is going to keep them engaged with that digital experience. Cool. And then um, you also brought back uh, some ideas and some uh, conversations related to some peer-to-peer -peer, um, messaging and, and uh, uh, virtualized uh, uh, communication. Right. So it was fascinating. I mean, if you think about it, medicine and so much past medical school, residency, et cetera, you really rely on your peers and that peer-to-peer -peer interaction to continue uh, to advance your practice and to address evolving needs of patients. And with the pandemic, obviously there's been a lot of, you know, virtual types of discussions, but not as many. And I think there's a real gap or a real need for uh, HCP to HCP or peer-to-peer -peer types of communications. So, you know, we always look to key opinion leaders um, and we've talked to, to different uh, clients about that. Um, before, and it continues to be an ever-present uh, theme in terms of what people are, need. Um, and then, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer type of, of communities and forums, we, we spoke with several while we were at HEMS um, in different ways that they can actually use virtual assistance to help connect um, them, whether it is when the uh, HCP is in that community or if there's some type of update notification on-demand type of, of messaging that they can offer them when they're not within that um, walled forum. But the big one that came out, and I think that was new and interesting to us, is a use case that would help um, referrals. And so there's a lot of cogs in the system and, and things that can break down in terms of making a referral to a specialist. And so the different types of companies that we spoke with, they're really trying to solve for the referral process, streamlining it, um, and making it better for the physician to the other physician and back. Yeah, and that particular one, I mean, that's a, a real use case that, that we have and are supporting now through our technology. Uh, the idea of automating referrals, um, uh, of course, physician to patient to another physician and uh, empowering the patient to be able to express their requirements related to, for example, proximity, location of that, uh, the specialist, wherever they are, and then having the scheduling actually be integrated with the virtual assistant. So um, as a workflow um, that's uh, deserving and in need of some automation with empathy, that's a great one. And uh, somewhat related to that uh, automating the telemedicine virtual waiting room, but in this case, making connections and, uh, between a physician and a specialist uh, through referrals. Um, that's great. It's nice to hear some of those use cases coming in through the conference. Uh, we could keep going, Julie, on this topic, but I want to just draw back to the, the analogy of this uh, physical conference and the virtual conference. And with the physical healthcare and virtual healthcare, we've learned uh, you know, in our day-to-day -day work in healthcare, the value of virtual experiences that combine automation with empathy. And we're starting to see the value of that, honestly, in the conferences that we attend. Um, how do you affect 
uh, more uh, networking and empathetic engagement of conference attendees in the same way you affect the same uh, on uh, the healthcare side. Maybe a whole other uh, business out there for that, but sticking with healthcare for the moment, um, you know, we are experience and continue to experience the consumerization of healthcare, which you know, broadly speaking is the adoption of technology to automate and empower uh, workflows for patients. And uh, I think we can certainly point to the pandemic as a, um, the, you know, as such as may exist a silver cloud of uh, validating the power and potential of it. We're seeing it in day to day when we're working with our clients and partners. And we're also seeing it even in our business as exemplified by conferences that we attend like HIMSS. So Julie Johnson, I wanna thank you for jumping on this with me today and for all your perspectives on the conference. Appreciate having you here. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Um, it's been great to be with you today and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Great. Uh, final reminder, September 16th is our uh, upcoming webinar on patient acquisition and retention. Please go to the Orbital website under resources, check it out. Look forward to seeing you guys uh, either at that uh, webinar or at an upcoming podcast. Have a great rest of your day.